tonight, and uh, the last time they were with us, I think they just had the one little girl. Now they've got another little boy, Judah, I believe, and uh, with them, and they were just back for a couple weeks, and uh, of course, their, ch- their home church is over at Bethel Baptist, and uh, so that's close enough that we were able to have them come over uh, tonight and uh, just kind of share a little bit about what God is doing in their ministry, and, uh, and so Brother Clay, you come right ahead, and we're so glad that you guys are able to be with us this evening, and look forward to what you have for us this evening. Bless you. All right, well, good evening. It's uh, good to be with you all this evening, and uh, as Pastor Census mentioned, uh, we were with you all just a couple years ago uh, at your missions conference, and uh, we thoroughly enjoyed that, and uh, we're just home for a few weeks for Christmas. The Lord provided for us to be able to come back, and uh, so we have enjoyed our time with family and uh, seeing all the extended family as well, and then being able to meet the new addition to our family with Judah. Um, He's just about nine months old, and then Adeline is our daughter, and they're both back in the nursery. Adeline's about three and a half now, and uh, when we were here last time, she was the baby, and uh, now she's shot up and uh, walking and talking and uh, talking a lot, and uh, so we're grateful for the blessings that the Lord has provided with them, and uh, we are glad to be able to shoot over here real quick and uh, just about 30 minutes away, and so didn't want to pass up the opportunity to be able to come and share what the Lord's been doing, because the Lord has been good, and uh, it has been quite the adventure Um, following him step by step and seeing how he has provided for us. And uh, so these past couple years, um, we left after deputation and went to France to learn the French language. And uh, that was more complicated than I had originally thought. Learning a whole new language is uh, quite the task. And uh, after your brain has been programmed for 20 plus years to say some uh, sentence a certain way, and then you have to kind of reprogram that brain, it uh, takes quite a bit of work. But thankfully... Uh, the Lord helped us, and the language school was uh, very helpful for us, and the, the learning method was a little unusual. Um, it was quite new to us. With uh, It's called the silent method, where the teacher tries to speak as little as possible. And so we, the first day, get in class, and they have this chart with random blocks of different colors, and the teacher points to this green block and does this. And we're sitting there and thinking, what on earth is she doing? I don't know what this teaching method is, but she is uh, not really doing well at teaching, in my opinion. And uh, after a few guesses, we find out, oh, she wants us to make a sound with that mouth position. And so, okay, she's telling us to say, ah. And okay, this block is ah. And then she moves on to another block, and she goes, okay, she's smiling. What, what is this? And going through all these different sounds and learning and connecting them with blocks and then those colors turn into words and it was quite the interesting method but lo and behold we speak French now and so glory to God he helped us through all of that that year of language school and uh, after that year we we went straight from France to the Ivory Coast and uh, that's where we where we are spending our first term uh, the next three years well this past year and a half and then the coming year and a half And uh, so we've been in Ivory Coast for about a year and a half, and we're working with a veteran missionary family, uh, the Mack family, uh, Bob and Becky Mack, and then there's also a few other missionaries there as well, uh, Christine McLaughlin and Carrie Ferguson, and so there's quite the team and quite the ministry, which has been a a big help to us, because uh, we're still continuing to learn the the language, but also uh, living there is quite different than living here, and so learning the cultural adjustments and uh, there's been a few that uh, I'm thankful to have the, the veteran missionaries there to be able to ask um, what is happening. Um, 
For instance, with each visit, you'll go into the person's house and they'll ask for the news. And the first time they asked for the news, I was caught completely off guard. I didn't know whether to say Russia's attacking Ukraine and there's a war in Israel with Hamas or what, what news are you wanting? But they're just asking about your day and that's just the way they go about asking it. And then after they ask for the news, they ask for the second news. And uh, you tell a little bit more about why you came to visit them. And so there's just these cultural things that kind of catch you off guard at first. What, what are they asking me? What do they even mean by this? And so it's helpful to be there with those veteran missionaries where you can get their advice and continue to learn the culture and continue to, to get into the ministry while still um, not having all the responsibility yet and still continuing to learn. And so when we moved to the Ivory Coast, it was uh, quite the transition um, just learning, even uh, getting settled, uh, we had to find a car. But in order to drive the car, just like here, you need uh, insurance, so you have to find that. You need registration, you need to get the car inspected, and you need a driver's license. But in order to get the driver's license, you need your American license notarized by the U.S. Embassy. You need a uh, certificate from the Ivorian Road Agency. And then you also um, need another document, the residence card, but in order to get the residence card, you need uh, to have a statement from your mission board. You need to have a background check from the judge's office. You need a certificate of residence. But then in order to get the certificate of residence, you need to have a utility bill. But in order to have a utility bill, you need an attestation of lodgement. And then in order to have that, you need to get a, a, a bank account, an Ivorian bank account. And so that whole process of, okay, which document do we need? Where do we need to go? And, of course, it can't be at one place. It has to be at nine different places with nine different lines. And, again, I am so thankful to have um, people there that helped us through that whole situation. And uh, they, they were Ivorian church members. In fact, that was probably where I advanced in French the most, was not in the classroom, but just working with those guys that helped us through those complicated situations. And so thankful to have, again, the help needed to get settled there, to find the house, to find the car, to get all the documents needed, um, and then after getting settled, and again at the new addition with Judah, um, going to the doctor's appointments and him being born over there was a, a very smooth process, and we praise the Lord for that. And uh, after kind of getting settled there in the Ivory Coast, uh, the, we were able to kind of get involved in the different ministries that the Max have. And uh, so that's been a blessing as well. Um, we've been able to do some Sunday school classes and reading the missionary stories to the kids, and that's always a good start, kind of speaking to the kids, because that's kind of where your French level is at that moment, is at that fifth and sixth grade level, and so you can communicate well with them, and uh, so we've been doing that. Then also, uh, they have a basketball center um, where they have some different teams, and they go around and, and play, and so I've been able to do some Bible studies at the basketball center, which is a, uh, a big blessing, because there's about 100 players, and a lot of them are Muslim. Uh, in their beliefs, and many of them are Christians as well, evangelical uh, and Baptists, and so there's quite the variety to be able to, to give a Bible study and to be able to teach them the Word of God and what it says, and uh, it's, it's, again, a big opportunity there as well. Uh, they have a literacy center. Many of the, uh, the older people, the, the adults, don't know how to read. Uh, the literacy center, or the literacy rate is not very good. Um, many of them just didn't have the, the means to be educated as a child. And so the church started a, a literacy center in order to teach them how to read. And that's another great opportunity because the majority of those who can't read are immigrants um, and they're Muslim in belief. And so again, 
It's another opportunity to teach the, the Bible to the Muslim people group um, who uh, might have different beliefs, but they're willing to sit there and listen to what you have to say because they want to learn to read. It, it greatly increases the, the quality of life. And so three times a week I'm there and teaching the Bible to them and uh, doing Bible studies with them. There's also uh, the villages outside the city. So right now we're in the capital city of Abidjan, and uh, there's some different villages around, and uh, we can make visits out there and do some evangelism and uh, potential church plants in the future um, are, goal, are the goal with those villages. And so being able to make those visits and, and really see the, the different style of life uh, from the city life and be able to see the, the different quality of life as well. And then also, um, Brother Mac has given me opportunity to preach um, each month and going through the book of Mark. And in fact, this evening, I was tempted to just kind of do the, the message I had just prepared from Mark um, and uh, how Jesus was healing the, the maniac of Gadara and how Jesus can change lives. But uh, the Lord has led me in a different direction tonight. But uh, it has been a blessing to kind of be able to preach through uh, a book and continue to get that practice of preaching in the different language. And then also, uh, Melissa has led some different prayer meetings with uh, the young ladies before some of the church services. Uh, we've been able to do evangelism with the church, do some neighborhood Bible clubs. Um, and then also, there's a Bible institute that Brother Mac has started, where he has teachers and professors come in to teach a core group of about 25 guys that come um, in module form. So each month, they'll have a week of course, and uh, I've been able to be involved with that and filming, so that way he can do an online format as well. And uh, getting that on, on tape, or um, I guess that's the old way of saying it, but uh, recording that so we can, again, uh, give that opportunity for those to learn at distance. And then also uh, do some youth conferences and um, some medical missions trips because of the, the single lady missionary there, Christine McLaughlin. Uh, she's a nurse practitioner, and so she's authorized to do medical work there in the country. And so she has, uh, every year, some medical professionals come in and make a trip there, and we'll go out to one of the, the church plants. Uh, this last year, it was in, in Ume, which is, uh, there's a national pastor there, and he's got a church planted in the city, but he's trying to plant a church in the village. And so we were able to go there and provide some medical days where, of course, everybody's going to flock because free medicine uh, is a big deal for them. Uh, a lot of them can't afford medicine. And so they'll come and they'll get a checkup and see what medicines they need. And then afterward, they'll be presented with the gospel one-on-one -on -one, uh, with a different uh, church member that's able to present the gospel to them. And uh, so my role was just the translating uh, for the doctors because I'm definitely not a medical professional. Um, I can never be a medical professional with all the needles. That's not my uh, forte. But uh, I was able to translate there and uh, see many people come to the Lord through that ministry and the ministry of uh, that, the missionary that... That works there. And then there were also some different missions trips that came in. Uh, the Pensacola Christian College basketball team was able to come and work in the basketball center that we have. And uh, again, that was great because those, those young men uh, really connected through the game of basketball. And so then when we broke out into groups um, each day during the camp, they really paid attention and listened well to the lesson and uh, were able to be clearly presented the gospel and really helped reinforce the Bible studies that they're getting already every month. And so that was a big blessing along with the medical mission trips. There's the basketball trips. There was a, a couple musicians that came in and just so many different opportunities with the ministry that the Macs have. And so it was really a blessing to be able to start with them, uh, to be able to be plugged in in so many different places without having all the responsibility at once. And just to see how the Lord has worked through those ministries has really been encouraging um, the Bible studies that um, we have had questions after each lesson. 
And so it's been encouraging to see how they respond to those questions and see that they really are understanding, seeing that they're really seeing what the Word of God says. Um, and so it's just been an amazing year and a half uh, filled with quite the, the adventures of moving to two different continents and having a new child and getting adjusted to the culture and the new language, but seeing how the Lord has been faithful through it all and has been with us each step of the way and has helped us through each and every ministry opportunity. And uh, this past month, we were actually had a meeting with uh, a juvenile detention center there, and they have asked us to come in uh, every week and, again, do some more Bible studies and help those kids that have uh, done crimes and have been in trouble and just to get some Bible studies in there to be able to help them for when they're released. Um, and so that's another opportunity that I would like if you would pray with us about. Um, we're looking to start that maybe in 2024 and seeing how the Lord kind of directs with how often the, the frequency of studies and seeing uh, which studies to use. And so we would appreciate your prayers with that new opportunity. Um, another opportunity um, is the the CON, which is uh, the Africa Cup of Nations. And so we've got, um, basically, it's a World Cup on the African scale. And so we've got countries um, all over Africa that are coming to play. Their national teams are coming to play soccer. Um, and Ivory Coast is hosting the CON. And so we have opportunity, again, to have all of these people coming to us. And again, it's uh, an opportunity as we're in the capital city. And so many, many people will be there, and we'll have more and more witnessing opportunities. And so I would appreciate if you could pray with us for those different opportunities that we have to, to be a blessing and to be a witness to the, the visitors that are coming. Um, so if you could pray with us about that, about all the different ministries um, that we're able to be involved in. And uh, we, we greatly appreciate your prayers. We greatly appreciate your support. And uh, again, I, I could go on and on and on. And in fact, Pastor Census did tell me that it, it could be a watch night service tonight, and we'll just go until midnight. So uh, uh, we'll see how uh, long any of you stay awake, or maybe you all need to grab some more coffee. Um, no, we'll, we'll uh, end at a reasonable hour. I know it is uh, if you have some plans with family. But I, uh, again, am just so thankful for your involvement in the ministry uh, over there in Ivory Coast, West Africa, um, your prayers, your support, so we can be there, so we can minister to the people there. Um, it has been truly an amazing experience, and to see God work in each and every step of the way. And I would like to give you the opportunity to maybe ask some questions. I know I talk quickly, and so maybe you missed something, or maybe uh, you're curious about something. And so I would like to give you the opportunity to ask any questions you might have about missions or Ivory Coast or um, what, what uh, is involved over there. So if you have any questions, go ahead and raise your hand, and uh, I would uh, like to try to give the answer. Yes, yeah, so um, deputation, we were here two years ago, and we, our prayer cards say Josh and Alyssa Clay to Mali, and uh, that's our goal, is to get into Mali, and uh, right now we're spending our first term with the veteran missionary, Bob Mack, um, in the Ivory Coast, which is why we're there at the moment, and uh, that's another thing I would like for you to pray about, is the situation with Mali. Um, it seems to be getting more and more complicated um, as I'm following the news articles from multiple sources, it seems each day there's something else that happens up there. Um, and so recently, not recently, about a couple, year and a half ago, there was a military coup. So the military took over, arrested the president and took control and they put in another um, 
citizen to be president, and then that citizen didn't do what they wanted, and so they um, took him out of power, and there was a second military coup because he was just supposed to be a puppet, and so now the military is in charge, and um, they've decided to go in some, some interesting directions with kicking the UN peacekeepers out of the country, so all the French and German and U.S. troops that are there to help them fight the terrorism in the north are being kicked out, and they're inviting Russian mercenaries in, and so there's some interesting decisions being made, and uh, it seems to be getting more and more complicated by the moment. And so I would very much appreciate if you could pray uh, for wisdom. Um, we have another year and a half that we're spending in the Ivory Coast with the Mac family. Then we're planning to come back on furlough and uh, report to the churches about what has gone on the, the past few years in the Ivory Coast. And so there's still another three years before we would like to get into Mali. And so a lot can change in three years. And I would appreciate if you would pray that it would change for the better and uh, not for the worse, that the Lord would keep the door open. And so we are um, following the Lord's direction step by step. And if the Lord ends up closing that door to Mali, um, we'll see what the Lord has for us the next step. Um, one possibility is that a lot of the Malians are immigrating into the Ivory Coast because of the unrest in Mali. And so we might still be able to reach the Malians, but in the safety of the Ivory Coast. And then uh, Brother Mac has about 50 different places he would like for us to plant a church in the Ivory Coast. And so we'll have to stave him off and see uh, where the Lord directs us. Um, but that is the situation in Mali at the moment, where it seems to be getting a little more complicated. And so if you could pray for that situation, uh, that would be a, a great blessing to us. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the situation for the moment. Yeah. I have been learning French. It's been about two and a half years now. So one year in language school and then one and a half years in the Ivory Coast just trying to talk with people. And uh, it has been a different experience because in language school you're stopped every other word because you said it wrong. And so it's hard to get a rhythm going and they say, nope, stop, do this, do that. And then in Ivory Coast, it's kind of the opposite. They don't correct you at all. So I'm speaking a lot more smoothly and a lot more fluidly, but who knows if I'm speaking correctly uh, because they're not saying, nope, you say it this way. Um, but it, uh, it has been quite the experience learning the new language. But again, it's, it's uh, come along well. And now I'm able to teach and preach in, in the, the new language. And so glory to God. But very good question. In West Africa, I know in Ivory Coast, there's quite a few missionary families, the Max, the Pates, the McLaughlin, the Cuthbertsons, uh, about seven that I know of in Ivory Coast. There's a missionary family I know of in Senegal and the Gambia, um, and then a few in Burkina Faso. Um, so there are spread out, but again, um, for the, the population of these countries, um, it is amazing to see that there's not nearly enough uh, missionaries there to be able to preach the gospel. And uh, even in Ivory Coast alone, I said there's seven that I know of, and I know there's many more um, in the, the different denominations as well. But uh, so many different cities need those churches with Abidjan is six million people. I mean, there's so many churches that can be planted in that city alone, yet alone uh, Boake, which is the second largest city, um, which is where a lot of Malians are immigrating to, Yamasukro, because technically... Ivory Coast has two capital cities, um, a financial capital city and a political capital city. So many, many people there. And then, again, all around West Africa, there is such a need. Um, I will say that, that West Africa it has been interesting to minister there because many, in fact, most all the people are religious. 
Um, they're either Christian or Muslim. Whenever I talk to somebody and ask, you know, oh, do you go to church? Are you religious? Oh, absolutely. They, they go to this evangelical church or they go to this mosque. or uh, they're, they're very, very religious people. But the sad reality of it is um, most of the, the religion that they follow isn't the truth of the word of God. Um, the, the charismatic movement is very, very big there. And uh, the evangelical um, movement is there. And then obviously the Islamic religion is very prevalent in Ivory Coast, more prevalent in Mali where we would like to go. And so there, there's always a need to be able to teach the truth of the word of God um, because they, they want to know it. They, they want to know God and be uh, religious and do those things that are necessary. But the, there's just so much deception there, which is really the, the saddest part for me is to see that they, they, they want to be religious, but they just don't have the truth. The, the Bible isn't being taught well. And so uh, that's why I'm grateful for missionaries like Brother Mac, who has the Bible Institute, so he can train others on how to go and, and plant new churches and teach the Word of God well. And uh, so uh, one other thing I will mention is that uh, this past month we had a pastor's conference at the church. And so many national pastors, about 25 national pastors from the Ivory Coast, were able to come and hear teaching um, on the Holy Spirit and the charismatic movement. And uh, we were able to do a Bible project. I, I didn't even mention that, um, where the Lord provided for that. But we did a Bible project where um, we bought 2,000 Bibles printed and bought 2,000 Bibles and shipped them over to the Ivory Coast because uh, it's, it's kind of surprising to me because French, it's not like it's a, an obscure language. French is a very common spoken language throughout the world. But to have a translation of the Bible from the Texas Receptus, the, uh, the, the line... Um, that's really translated well, it's, it's hard to find. And so we were able to raise money and print and buy and ship 2,000 Bibles there. And then those pastors that came to that conference, each one of them were able to get a box of Bibles and they were so grateful for that. And now they can distribute them again all over the country. And so uh, we, we praise the Lord because I, I can't for, forget to mention that the Lord really worked in that, in that project for us to be able to get all those Bibles over there. And then to be able to see the word of God work um, is an amazing thing. But there's always a need there in, in West Africa. That's a very good question. Yeah. Have I ever what? Set up a church? Um, I have not personally, and that's the goal. That's, uh, the goal is to learn from the veteran missionary and then to be able to plant new churches all over West Africa and see the Lord work. Yeah, the, the Lord has been good, and we were able to raise um, 100% of our support before we left, and 100% of our support has been coming in. Um, we've maybe lost a couple churches, but then gained some more churches, and the Lord has just been faithful through it all, and uh, so we've been able to be well-supported over there and able to, to buy the food we need and, and, and get involved in the ministries that we, we would like to be involved in, and so um, we are grateful for your part in that support. And uh, the Lord has been good through it all. Very good question. Yeah. So in Ivory Coast, that's, uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to Google that because I have my research on Mali. But I do know in the city that we're in, Abidjan, the capital city, there's over 6 million people. And it is growing very quickly. And so there are enough people to never end um, to be able to talk to. If you talk to somebody every day, you'll, you'll meet a new person. And it's definitely a densely packed city, 
and uh, the traffic is quite annoying, but uh, it's worth it to be able to have all those people to be able to witness to, to be able to talk to through the different ministry opportunities. Uh, but very good question. Any other questions? Yeah, in the back. In France, they get around with a bunch of public transportation, um, especially where we were. In order to get to church, it was about an hour of one bus to the train station and then one train station uh, to another train station and then get off that train station onto another bus to get onto another bus to get to our church. Um, and so it was quite the task learning uh, how to get around, but uh, it's, it is very easy to get around once you know the system. And then they'll also use a bunch of cars to get the long distances, but they also have some high-speed trains that go long distances. And so it's uh, quite the variety of transportation in France. And then in Ivory Coast, they use a bunch of public transportation they have buses called Bacchus, and uh, those are the buses that you have to watch out for when you're driving um, because the drivers are in a hurry because they make more money when they get more people, and so they uh, don't think the laws apply to them, and so that's quite the experience driving with them on the road, uh, but the, the people need it because they don't have cars, and so public transportation is definitely the biggest way in the capital city. Um, if you're not in the capital city, if you're in the villages, it gets more and more complicated with being able to get around. There's not that many options, but that's the, the transportation in both countries. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, so with the, the Muslim people group, Again, um, Brother Mac, when he got there, he was, he's kind of established his church, and he was looking for opportunities to witness to the Muslim people group particularly. And so he asked the people in his church, what, what are some ideas? And one of the ideas is the literacy center that I mentioned. Uh, a deacon came to him and mentioned that we should start a literacy center. And Brother Mac said, I don't know about a literacy center. That, we're, we're a church. I mean, it's, it's good to teach people to read, but the goal is to get the gospel out. And then the, the deacon said the, the statistics of the Muslim people group being the majority of people who can't read. And so if we start that and we introduce Bible studies into that system, um, it's a great way to reach them. And then basketball center is the other way where there's a bunch of players who are of the Muslim belief. Uh, they want to play basketball. And if they want to play basketball, then they sit through the Bible study as well. Um, as far as reaching them, it's again... It's all about building a relationship with the, the Muslim person. Um, it, it is very relationship-based when they see that you care about them. Um, they, they are very kind people. It's not like they, they absolutely hate Christians and they don't want to talk to you. Um, my, my mechanic, he's from uh, Lebanon, actually. In fact, there's an unusually large population from Lebanon, a bunch of Lebanese people, and the majority of them are Muslim. And so building that relationship with him, he's one of the most kind people in the world. Um, he, go, he goes to mosque, um, but time after time, after uh, continually going because of the, the car problems, um, we've been able to, to be a little bit of a witness, and he's always ready and willing to listen to what we have to say. And that is one of the advantages of being in the Ivory Coast, where so many people are religious, is they love talking about religion. Um, it's not like here where you go to somebody's door and they kick you off the porch immediately because religion is a little taboo along with politics. Um, over there, religion is, is easy to talk about, um, but they are, they're also very much more set in their beliefs, more set in their ways. But they, they enjoy having a good debate. Uh, in fact, um, one thing I never thought I would be doing is I got pulled over by a police officer 
Um, I won't tell you why. No, over there, they're, they're allowed to pull you over just to check your car registration and make sure everything is, is up to par. And uh, during the stop, I ended up in a theological debate with the police officer. And uh, they, they just enjoy talking, enjoy talking about religion. And so uh, there, there are many opportunities to be a witness to the Muslim people group um, through the literacy center, through the basketball center, and just in day-to-day life, building relationships with those, those people that you come into contact with. Yeah, so moving and living overseas isn't as difficult as I, as I thought, especially in France. Um, thankfully, we live in the Internet age, and I am so thankful I wasn't a missionary back in the day of Hudson Taylor and where they had to go through so many different things. Um, if you have a problem in France, you just Google it, and there's an article on how to get it done. And in fact, the article is probably from an American's perspective because so many Americans moved to France. Moving to the Ivory Coast was a little more difficult because, believe it or not, not many Americans live in the Ivory Coast or go there for tourist reasons, so there weren't quite as many articles. But again, they have Google Maps over there, uh, which is a big blessing to be able to find different places. They don't have addresses, which is a little more difficult um, to, to find where everybody lives. But uh, just living takes a little bit longer, but it's, it's not as difficult. Uh, really, the, the adjustment to the culture is the, the biggest part. Um, learning the language, I think, has been the most difficult for us. Um, even going from France to Ivory Coast, the accent was just so different. It was almost relearning because they say things in different ways. I, I related to almost maybe a, a Scottish person. Even though we speak English, sometimes it's hard to understand a, a Scottish person when he's speaking real thick accent and real fast. And with the Ivorian accent, it was, it was very fast and very, very thick. And so it was uh, quite the learning process, again, to adjust to the language um, but there's, there's a, a different culture there, even with money. Um, if you are friends with somebody, they're going to ask you for money because it's just so intertwined with friendship. And here, that's kind of taboo, especially, I mean, and even among family, most times you, you don't ask, um, but especially among random friends. Um, but there, you're constantly being asked for money by random strangers in the grocery store. And so... It becomes a little frustrating uh, at first when you're just constantly being asked, hey, give me this, give me that, give me this, give me that. And uh, that, was, that was quite an adjustment to, to get adjusted to. Again, something I'm thankful to have um, a veteran missionary to be able to talk with and talk through the different things. Um, but language and some cultural aspects, um, I didn't have any trouble adjusting to the food. I, I love the food there. It's got quite the spice it's uh, a little too spicy for Alyssa. She uh, struggles with some of that, that uh, peppers that they put in there. But um, as far as the adjustments, the Lord has, again, been good. And it had, we've had abundance of help from the missionary families there and then also from the church members. The Ivorians themselves have been super kind to us. And the Ivorian culture is very hospitable. And so it has been a transition that has been made easier because of the hospitality of the Ivorians and uh, the, the kindness they've shown us. And so we praise the Lord for that. But good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been to quite a few different countries. Yeah, I've been able to take missions trips to Costa Rica and England and uh, travel a little bit about around Europe and Africa. And so the Lord has blessed me to be able to see a lot of the world and meet a lot of different people and hopefully be a witness in every place I go. Um, but good question. 
Well, I think maybe for the rest of the time, um, I'll preach just a short message. And then if you have any more questions, I'll be at the table after the service. And I always love to talk about the, what the Lord is doing in the Ivory Coast. And so if you have any questions, feel free to ask. But just for the last few minutes, if you could join me in James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And I just have one thought this evening. I don't have this three-point message that'll, that'll take a long time. Um, but it's a thought that just wouldn't leave my mind. As I mentioned, I, I was thinking about preaching out of Mark and uh, the message I had just finished preparing, but uh, this thought kept coming back, and I've preached this message many times before throughout deputation. Who knows? I may have preached it here before, but uh, I couldn't get this, this thought out of my mind that the, this is what the Lord wanted us to preach, me to preach this evening. And so, James chapter 4, and we will read James chapter 4 and verse number 14. Where the Bible says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Just that one verse this evening. And we have our life, and we have that question What is your life? The Bible tells us our life is but a vapor. Um, I know. Um, Maybe one way to illustrate it, in the Ivory Coast, whenever we get our special treat out of the freezer, get a, a carton of ice cream out of the freezer the first time, um, I got one out of the freezer and I opened it up, and it kind of surprised me because my ice cream started smoking. And my mind was confused for a little bit because I'm pretty sure smoke only comes from fire and things that are burning, but ice cream shouldn't be burning. And what is happening here? And it's just the, it's so hot and humid in the Ivory Coast, that when the air meets that cold air around the ice cream, it condenses, kind of like when you see your breath out, outside during the, the cold winters. Um, and so this carton of ice cream just starts smoking and billowing this vapor. And it's there for a little while, but that vapor that appeared so quickly disappears just as quickly. It is gone like that. And so is the, the ice cream if uh, you don't eat it fast enough. Uh, it melts very, very quickly. It is so fast. In our life, uh, even with the, the medicine nowadays, and you think, man, somebody, and it depends on age. You know, age is very relative. When you're very young and, oh, man, 30-year-old person, they're, they're so old. And as I'm approaching 30, it's all, it's not that old. And, but 50, man, that sounds intimidating. And, you know, now people are living 70s and 80s and 90s. And, wow, you can live for a long time now. But when you put it into perspective, even 90, 100 years, when you look at the, the timeline, we're coming into year 2024. 2,000 years, and that's just after Christ was alive, not even including the time before Christ alive. Human history, we, it's thousands of years. And when you put your, your life, your little 100 years on the scale, it's a vapor. It's nothing. We, we, we have such a short time here on this earth and so that leads me to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you can find that passage. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 6, we find a couple different perspectives on life. This short life that we have, we can have a couple different perspectives that we find in 1 Timothy chapter 6, and verse, starting in verse number 5. 1 Timothy 6, 5 through 12 We'll read this passage and then look a little bit at what it, what it has for us. Where the Bible says, 
perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. And so here in verse five, we find one perspective Some suppose that gain is godliness. If you want to be godly, you're going to have a lot of stuff because God's going to bless you, obviously. And uh, sadly, in in Ivory Coast, the uh, prosperity gospel is is preached abundantly where uh, you're going to be rich if you believe in Jesus Christ and you won't have any problems, you won't have any sorrows, and, uh, and you'll have everything. And gain is really what you need to focus on. If you have a lot of stuff, you must be a godly person. Uh, that, that, that has to be the, the way it all works out. Whereas in verse 6, we have the other perspective. But godliness with contentment is great gain. And so what is the biblical perspective of true gain? It's godliness with contentment. That's, that's where our focus should be on. And really, the question that I have for you tonight, and again, the one point that I have for you is really the question of where is your focus? Where is your focus? Is it on gain and the things of this world and getting all that you can have, enjoying this life to the fullest? Or is it on the things of God? Is it on, as maybe verse 11 mentions, uh, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness? Is it on winning souls to Christ? Is it on investing in eternity? Uh, We could go to Matthew chapter 6 and find that where our heart is, there will our treasures be also. And so where's your heart? Where's your focus? Is it up there in heaven in eternity Or is it focused here on this vapor of a life? And when you really think logically about it, uh, I mentioned in James chapter 4, our life is over so quick. It's just a vapor. But so many people invest so much time and energy and effort and finances into this life, into this life that's but a vapor, without even thinking of eternity. And I can't represent eternity on a timeline like I can your life because it goes forever. And logically, what's the wiser investment? I mean, maybe I could illustrate it with this. Um, we have, we're flying back next Monday to the Ivory Coast and uh, the wonderful airline that we have gone through um, who has had trouble every step of the way um, has uh, changed our flights. We were originally going through New York and then Paris and then Abidjan and had layovers, a good amount of layover time in each and they rerouted us to Atlanta to Paris and now we have an hour layover in Paris. And are we going to be able to get from one end of the airport to the other in an hour? Most likely not. So let's plan on spending the night in Paris. And so I call up a hotel in Paris and, and say, all right, um, I, I'm going to need a room. I am not going to make this flight. And there's only one flight each evening from Paris to Abidjan. And so if you could get me maybe your penthouse suite. And uh, in fact, I like to do a little bit of decorating myself um, because one thing I have missed about America and it might be a little weird for you, but I need some carpet. Um, 
In Africa, there is no carpet in sight. It's all tile, and I need to be walking on clouds, so if you could get the nice, fluffiest carpet and put it all over the penthouse suite floor. Um, and then also, I, I need a good bed because I'm off a long flight. I want to sleep, and I've heard of these things called smart beds where you can incline the head and incline the feet, and you can heat it or you can cool it. There's lights on the bottom where you get on the floor, and it lights up the floor, and it tracks your sleep, how many times you roll over and how well you sleep, and and so if you could get me one of those beds in there, king size, obviously, and then uh, go ahead and put the nicest sheets, a uh, thousand thread count, or I don't know how many threads are supposed to be in a sheet, but I think a lot. And so give me the highest thread count you can. Make sure when I lay in that bed, I am going to sleep. And then uh, I think wallpaper's out of style, but I would like some gold and like literal real gold foil on the walls. So it's just shimmering and shining. And uh, you, you just redecorate this hotel room. So when I walk in, it is exactly what I want. I'm walking on my carpet, seeing my gold walls, laying down in my smart bed. And it's just going to be the perfect night. And I invest all of this money into this hotel room. And I thoroughly enjoy my night there. And then I get up the next morning and fly on to Africa, never to see it again. Um, I think you might say that's not the wisest decision with your finances to invest all that money into a hotel room. Uh, many of you would probably vote not to support us anymore, and uh, rightfully so. Not the most wise decision to be made. But again, many of us are making that exact decision. We're investing so much into so little. And it's easy to do. This physical life, um, we see the electric bill, and we see the, the number on the electric bill, we see the number on our bank account, and we realize, okay, I need to do this in order to meet this. Um, the people are before us, and it's, it's easy to focus so much into this life. But I, I pray that we have the biblical perspective here, and that it's not all about the things of this world. Um, even as the Bible says, it's not like we can take these things with us. Verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and in a certain we can carry nothing out. Uh, Judah was born nine months ago, and believe it or not, when he was born, he didn't come out with thousands of dollars in his hand to give us a little head start on providing for him. He didn't bring anything into this world. And this opposite is true. When we leave this world, we don't take anything with us. Uh, you think of the, the pyramids that the Egyptians built so their pharaohs could be buried with all their stuff. They could take their stuff with them to the afterlife. And yet we go to those pyramids today, and what do we find? All that stuff, it's, it's still there, still in this world. They couldn't take it with them. And yet again, so many of us, and, and me included, I'm guilty, a lot of times my focus is on, I need this thing. I need this, this stuff. In order to live, I, I have these needs. And is it wrong to, to have money? Is it wrong to be able to provide for your family? Is it wrong to have nice things even? No. It's not money that's evil. But verse 10 tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. It's when that money and when that stuff becomes your focus. It's when that's all you're thinking about. It's when you're saying, you know what, I need to work a few extra hours because I need this new toy. Uh, yeah, I might miss a church service or two, but this new truck is calling my name. And uh, this, this, uh, this has to be done, and so I'll, I'll go ahead and focus on that. Um, I, I don't know about you, I have a hobby of photography, and uh, it's something I enjoy. Um, not necessarily portrait photography. I, I enjoy more of 
landscapes and uh, animals and trying to get those in view. But with photography, if you know what you're doing, uh, you can get some pretty good pictures where your subject is in focus. And Miss Allsup knows a lot more about this than I do with portrait photography. But uh, if you get your aperture real low and you've got this background and you can get some nice bokeh behind them to where your subject is in focus and the background is nice and blurry. It's not that the background isn't there anymore. It's not that you can't see it. It's just, what is your focus on? It's, it's on the subject of the photo. And that's the same with our Christian life. I, I hope this evening that we can see the biblical perspective is to, in fact, let's look at another passage, Col- Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We have it again, where our focus should be, where our affection should be set. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. We'll read Colossians 3, verse 1 through 4, and see if you can figure out, again, what's the biblical perspective on where our focus should be. Colossians chapter 3, and verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And so in those first two verses, we see twice. Seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. Again, the, the biblical perspective is clear. It's just, what is your perspective? Does it line up with what the Bible says here? Or does it line up with where the, the things of this world, where you would most naturally like it to be? Because again, it's natural to focus on the things of this world. It's, it's right in front of us. It's what we want. It's our, our fleshly lusts. It's, it's hard to focus on the things of God and to set, I mean, you might have to make some sacrifices um, to be able to be in church every service to be able to hear the word of God. You might have to be able to make some sacrifices to be able to invest in eternity rather than just the things of this world, be investing in souls of people rather than in the nourishment of your body. Uh, to where you can have as much food as you could possibly desire. Um, And so I I pray this evening that, again, the Lord has spoken to you about where your focus is. And I would encourage you all to examine your life. This is uh, one of the best times uh, of year to do it because you're automatically examining, okay, what has happened in this past year? Can I ask you to examine what have you invested in eternity this year and what have you invested in this world? How does that match up with your finances, with your your time management? Where are you spending the bulk of your time with uh, your screen time, with all of these different areas of life? It's a good evaluation to do and say, you know what, what portion of my life is being invested in this vapor and what portion of my life is being invested in eternity? Logically, It makes sense to invest the majority, the bulk of of your time and energy and finances into eternity. You're going to get a much better return. But more importantly, that's biblically what we see is where our focus should be. And so this evening, I'd ask you to examine your life. What has happened this past year? And then maybe in 2024, we have some changes that need to be made. And we say, you know what? I see that my focus is a, is a little, it's, it's out of focus right now in this area of my life. And I need to change some things in this area of my life to make sure that I'm focusing on the right things, on the things above, 
on the things of eternity, um, where moth and rust doth not corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Uh, again, all throughout Scripture, we see this principle. And uh, the hardest part is it's not about seeing what the Bible says about it. It's, it's about actually applying it to our lives. I think we all know we're supposed to focus on the things of God, but it's much harder to apply that in our daily lives with each and every decision we make and saying, okay, is this how I need to spend the money here? Is this where I need to go right now? Is this what I need to focus on in the moment? And again, I'm not here to bash you over your head uh, for, for having money or having nice things, but is your focus where it really needs to be? Is your focus on God? Has it been through 2023? And what will it be in 2024? Um, it's always a great time to evaluate your life and see what God has you to change. Uh, that's, that's the point of coming here to church. It's not to come here and hear a great message because that's not what's gonna happen if you're, you're listening to me. It's to come here and hear the word of God and say, all right, what needs to change? I've heard the truth. Lord, where do you want me to, to apply this in my life? And so that's not my job to do for you. That's your job to evaluate and listen to the Holy Spirit's direction on what he would have you to do in this coming year of 2024 and where you need to invest your time, your finances, your effort. Um, and so I will pray with you um, and praying myself because, again, this is a message I've preached many times because this is a message that I constantly need to be reminded about. I, I constantly need to hear this truth um, because a lot of times my, my focus does get out of, out of balance a little bit. And so I pray that yours is in balance, and if not, that you'll make the decision this evening to, to put it in balance and to make sure we're focusing where the Bible tells us to focus. So if we can go ahead and close in prayer, and then I'll turn the service back over to Pastor Stensis. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth we find in it. Lord, you've given us the biblical perspective on where we need to focus. Lord, we, we want to focus on you, on your son Jesus Christ and this Christmas season has been a wonderful time of year to focus on what you've done for us, how you've sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that he could live this perfect life and, and take our place, be the substitute for us, have our sins forgiven, Lord, and we thank you for that. And Lord, we want to not just think about you during this Christmas season, but throughout all of 2024, making sure that you're our focus, Lord. We want to build our relationship with you, live the Christian life as the, the Bible commands us to. But Lord, if there's anything in our life that needs to be changed, Lord, I pray, pray that you would make it clear to me, to these members here, that you would make it clear what needs to be changed so that our focus is fully on eternity, on winning souls for Christ, on, on not this life, but the one to come uh, where our citizenship is in heaven, Lord. And we do pray for your help in each and every area of our life, your guidance, your wisdom. As James 1.5 declares, we can ask for this wisdom and you'll give it to us liberally. And Lord, we ask for this wisdom that cometh from above. And uh, Lord, we do pray these things all in Jesus' name, in his good and precious name, in the name of our Savior, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.